Hey everybody, what's up and welcome back to the Blister Podcast. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing, plus all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today we have got a really fun one for you, and I'm very happy to welcome to the show Alexi Godbu and Stan Ray, and we are talking about their new film, Follow the Forecast, which is a very somber and contemplative exploration of the age-old philosophical topics of time and meaning and existence. I'm just kidding. It doesn't do any of those things. It's just a fantastic and really fun movie that features a bunch of good friends who happen to be really good at skiing. You can check out the trailer for Follow the Forecast over on Solomon TV, and we'll have a link to the trailer in the show notes to this episode. And then come November 17th, you can watch the entire film over on Solomon TV. But for now, we are going to take you behind the scenes to talk to Stan and Alexi about the founding of their film company, Blank Collective, we talk a lot in this episode about names and potential alternate titles for this film. I really liked that part of this conversation. I asked the guys whether they like lost a bet or something and they had to let Cody Townsend in the movie. Like, is that why Cody's in this thing? And we also actually have a really great conversation about sort of the art of ski mountaineering versus the art of skiing pillows. And that was actually only one of several times where Stan probably managed to offend like an entire community. Well done, Stan. We talk about a lot of other stuff too, including who won the movie and Stan's spit cup. Oh, and speaking of that Cody Townsend guy, if you would like to come hear me interview him live and in person, Come to the Blister Speaker Series at Western Colorado University tomorrow night. That's Tuesday, October 13th at 6 p.m. You can find more information about the event on the Blister website. And while it is a free event, you do need to RSVP in order to attend because spots are limited. But yeah, tomorrow night, 6 p.m. at Western, I'm going to be talking with Cody. Maybe I'll ask him how he managed to get his way into this film. I don't know. One last thing before we get started here. Many of you know that Blister is based here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado. And this is just a public service reminder that you could also be based here too and live in this little mountain town since COVID has very much changed how the world does business and many people are now working remotely. So why not live in a place you've always dreamed of? You know, a place where you could regularly spot majestic creatures like elk or bear or lucapa. The Gunnison Valley in Colorado is nestled between four spectacular mountain ranges with over 750 miles of biking and hiking single track. We've got some world-class skiing, not that many pillow lines, some, but there's a lot of world-class skiing and we have an award-winning school system that will probably teach you how to correctly pronounce words like Godboo. So stop just wishing that you lived in the mountains. Check out the Gunnison Valley where you really can work where you play. And to help you get started, head over to icelab.co. That's icelab.co. 
And now let's go ahead and get to my conversation with my colleagues, Alexi Godfire and King Stan. Here we go. Well, I am happy to be joined by two very distinguished gentlemen. Alexi, let's start with you. Would you please introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Alexi Godbu, and I live in Pemberton, BC. I am a co-owner and producer of uh, Blank Collective Films, along with Stan here. And I am uh, currently 29 years old, turning 30 in November. Well, congrats. Seems like you're going to make it to your 30s. Thanks. That's very nice of you. Can we talk about your last name? Yeah. I find it real confusing. I often want to put an A in there somewhere. Yeah. There's this temptation to go Godabu, and I don't know why. Because uh, it's French, first of all, and it's probably why it's hard to say in English, but don't worry, I've had it butchered my entire life, so it wouldn't be the first time that uh, someone said it a weird way. But uh, let's say if you'd like do it with sounds, it'd be like God and then B-O-O, Godboo. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like if when God jumps out from behind the corner. Yeah, and he scares the shit out of you. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Yeah. Okay, is that what it means in French? Is that the? Uh, no, actually, it's Germanic or something. It's supposed to be like God of Fire or oh, that's powerful good. God or I don't really know. I would go by God of Fire if I were you. Yeah, <laughs> fiery. Stan, you're here too. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yep, Stan Ray. Like Alexi said, I'm a co-owner of Blank Collective Films. Um, I live in Whistler. I've lived here for 24 years now, so good chunk of my life because I'm 32. And yeah, I'm a professional skier, or at least I try to be. Yeah, and your last name does not mean God of Fire. It's pretty good though, right? It means king in Spanish, yep. Yeah. Man. I told you, distinguished gentlemen, I wasn't lying. My, my name doesn't mean anything close to as cool as that. So, well, hey, I'm very happy to be joined by you guys today. And we're going to be talking, among other things, about this new film of yours. But before we go there, talk to me a little bit about Blank Collective, the story behind it, when did it start, and the name. Yeah, so it started... In 2015, Stan was actually wasn't involved at that point. It was Casey Dean and I talking early season because a bunch of us had no like no companies to film with. Horror Boys was done, and then it was like Matchstick or TGR or either or you're doing your personal project. So as uh, Casey, I, Max Morello, Dayak, Mike Hennetuck, uh, and a couple other people were like, well. I mean, we have a bit of sponsor money to put together. Let's try to make something happen. So we just kind of rolled the dice and hired some filmers with a bit of money we had and kind of made it happen that season. And then it all worked out. Casey was a bit more involved in the producing side that, or uh, producing and directing that year. I was doing a bit of stuff too. Well, actually, I was injured through the whole summer, which is part of the reason why that he uh, did most of the, the um, directing that summer with the editor and everything. And then the following year, we're going to do the same thing again. Casey ended up going to film with Level 1, which happens. I mean, sponsor obligations and whatnot. And then I just kept it going and Stan came along that year. And yeah, since the 2016 till this year, it's been four years and five movies. And uh, just growing every year. So 
And yeah, you're going to touch base on the name. So basically the first year we had, we didn't know what to call the movie and it was kind of a blank line in on the, on the drawing boards. So we were like, well, might as well call it blank. It's as easy as that. Stan, what did he miss? I think, I think we've made six movies, including blank. No, I'm talking since, since 2016. The first one. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, other than that, I don't think he missed a whole lot. Yeah. I, uh, I hopped on board the year after they kind of started it. And, uh, Alexi and I just kept it going and have grown it to where it is now, which is awesome. Cause at first we were spending a little bit of our own money to make the movie and now get a little we're bit more money. following and we're making a little money, which is nice. Hmm, good for you. By the way, if I had been involved in the naming of the company talks, it should have been like Godfire King. <laughs> or something like so you i feel like you whiffed pretty hard it was sitting literally right there in front of you but it's okay like i kind of like blind collective too yeah we can't be all as clever man sorry we've been talking a lot about names so far in this conversation somehow and we're gonna get to some potential alternative titles of your film i had some suggestions right. we'll see what you think of them you have a lot of people in this film it was really fun it's just like who's coming next in fact you have so many people in the film I was actually really surprised that Cody Townsend made the final cut. Cody who? Uh, it's Townsend, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Was that like out of just some obligation to put Cody in? Or anyway, I just was curious. I didn't, it was like, there's a lot of good skiers in here. And, and like, wow, and there's Cody. I know. We tend to try to encourage our washed up skier friends to, you know, get back on. But uh, no, it was cool. We did a, the goal was to do a little collab between like we'd kind of redo the segments of the 50. And I think it worked really great because the angle on both were kind of different. It was a bit more, a bit less serious. And then his was a little more dramatic, which I think ends up working pretty cool in the end. I think his, it, it was more dramatic than it, we made it seem to be. Yeah. yeah. It, that day was pretty, it wasn't just good. Oh yeah, let's go ski in some pow. It was, it was actually pretty nerve wracking because it kind of brought us out of our element. We're not used to skiing massive exposure, but it was a lot of fun either way. Okay, well, Alexi, tell us a little bit more about what objective we're talking about here. Just so we don't leave people totally confused. Yeah. Uh, so one of the segments in the movie was uh, basically Stan and I doing a collab with uh, Cody Townsend. With the 50 project and when he when we did the shucksin um northwest couloir and the idea was to edit the segment in a different way in our movie that it would be in the 50 in the 50 classics and ours and the movie in general is pretty lighthearted, so a bit more of a fun ish angle with a bit of stress but not too much and then cody's angle is a bit more serious as you might have seen in the and his edit that dropped already a couple months ago. Yeah, I think it all worked out pretty good in the end because it seems like two totally different segments. And that's kind of the fun of it. How editing can alter the mood. Yeah. Yeah. Rashomon. It's the it's yeah. the Rashomon of I don't know, ski films. There you go. You can use that in your uh Rashomon. for the you know, the marketing. Yeah, I'll try to keep that in mind. <laughs> So there is a lot of talk about like, yeah, this is great. I'm terrified. Were you guys playing that up 
or were you like, no, yeah, that was legit, legit terror and and pucker, puckering? No, definitely terrifying. I you should have seen this kick turn that Alexi did. It was a thing of beauty. Okay, now I need to know more. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, no, he was so scared. And like the classic, when you're confident, you really step on the outside ski or on your uphill ski. You do your kick turn, and he was so scared. And he was like doing the classic leaning to the hill, like pretty much hip on the ground. And it was like I was watching him do this kick turn, and I'm like, oh you my, literally God. look like a beginner right now. <laughs> I have so much sympathy for you right now, Alexi. So let's talk yeah. about this kick turn. So you were thinking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna unweight, go to one edge, and if that edge doesn't hold, well, at least I'm. I've got my hands to like try to stop me. I don't know. Um, I think I was just. It was the top of the line was really icy and super slick, and then it went into the choke, and then out of that choke, if you're like out of control, you're just going over like a hundred foot cliff or something. And um, I think I was, I sat on my ass to do my kick turn basically <laughs> right on the hill. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever done that before, but it was a first. It was, it was too bad. We didn't have good, like a good camera. Good on it. I, I had my it. GoPro, but he was quite far away. So you didn't yeah. see him, but yeah. I had, uh, I had the pleasure of watching it firsthand. So it was great. Okay. Well, turnabout is fair play. Alexi, was there a stand moment? On this line where um well, i feel like he was born in switzerland so he's kind of used to all that bigger stuff or maybe not <laughs> maybe it's the concussions he's just not scared i'm scared i just think of it less yeah i think he was trying to play cool in his head so to make him less nervous but i think we we're all pretty on the edge it was super uncertain what the snow conditions were going to be like so when we got to the bottom we we're so relieved like oh it's all very on very honest and true i'd say it's uh it was very it was it was a stressful one because like there's so much exposure if you start falling at the top you're tomahawking to the bottom and there's no stopping and there's a good chance of you hurting yourself very 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 badly or dying yeah it's like the margin for error at the just at the top or, or anywhere in the line if anything goes wrong it's like high consequence where we're what we're used to skiing you know it's shorter so we can usually outrun it or straight line out and if we do fall, we're going to fall off like a 40 foot cliff, not a 100 foot cliff, which makes it quite a bit different. Like you're, you're not, you fall, you die kind of scenario, which makes it, uh, yeah, makes it scary for sure. I have to say though, it's not like you guys are meadow skipping through the rest of the movie. So, like, to hear how different you guys think about that schemo line versus like pretty much all the other lines as somebody who doesn't ski pillows, right? Like I'm, I've skied most of my life in the Rocky mountains, like where it's kind of bonier, techier stuff than yeah, yeah. like just pillow land. Like I look at the pillow stuff and just think like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't know how to do that like just drop into that, you know, and what to expect in the rest. So it's, it is funny to hear you guys so highlight that one line versus everything else. Yeah. I mean, there's other, other stuff obviously, but I think as far as like pillows, for the most part, that's something like we do quite a lot. So we're a lot more comfortable with, uh, there's always lines that you're not, I wouldn't say shaking, but very nervous on top of, cause you don't know if you're going to make this little gap or, 
if you're going to straight up land on a on an uphill pillow and tomahawk to the bottom or land between pillows or something. But generally speaking, it's quite a lot shorter and a bit less stressful than a 3,000 foot 50 degree line. Yeah, and at the top of pillow lines a lot of the time, I'm like, oh, I'm giving myself a 70% chance to landing land this thing. Because sometimes they're pretty techy. We're there. It's like, I better be 100% sure I can make turns above this exposure without falling. Yeah. So it's like, it's just different uh, mindset, I think, too. Different margin of error. Uh, but realistically, the, the slope we were skiing, like Alexi and I could ski it every day without falling for the rest of our lives. But it's just like, because we're just doing little turns, right? And then, but it's just, if, yeah. what if something goes wrong? What if something slides? And then that's what the, the scary part is. Because technically we're pretty good and we shouldn't make mistakes on a, a slope like that. It's like a 40, well, it's pretty steep, but it's still just like a 45, 50 degree slope that you should be able to make turns down. But you add you add a hundred foot cliff below it, it gets a lot more scary. Yeah. So Stan, you just said when I'm standing at the top of a pillow line, I'm typically thinking it's about seventy percent chance of making it down. Let's hear you talk a little bit more. Like a lot of times I just think these lines are getting skied so fast with so much commitment that often I'm like, what if that pillow just blew up into just it, it just went absolutely dry? And you just absolutely just jumped 20 feet down onto a rock. That's not something you think about or worry about much. Or just given where these pillows are located, you're thinking, yeah, we've got a more substantial snowpack than that. So if you see a pillow built up, you can have confidence it's not just going to go to sugar. Yeah, definitely not. We have confidence it's going it's not going to go to sugar, but not the utmost confidence that that pillow, pillow might one break broke off. off. That's the scary part. Um, if you think one can break off, because those things are like, some of them are size of cars and they don't want, they, they break off, they break into two pieces. And if you fall and that thing rolls on top of you, it's definitely something we keep in the back of our mind. But usually, like, they're pretty well anchored unless they build like off a tree or something. Overhanging or, or they're overhanging. It's kind of like a cornice a little bit. You can kind of see them. You can't always guess what it's going to do, obviously, but, um, at the most part, we can get a pretty good sense if one's going to break away or not. And then this giving myself chances of like landing. I think pillow skiing is some of the hardest skiing there is because you got to nail your line, but at the same time, you got to nail your speed because you like you mess that up. You can have a good line, but you don't have enough speed. Then you take the uphill of the pillow or you go too big and then now you're missing a pillow. Now you're out of control and it's you're scrambling. So it's a uh, it's really fun. Cause you, it's really a, a good gauge of speed and then trying to hold your line sometimes on pillows can be very hard too. Yeah. It's a big mind game for sure. Trying to put everything together. I think a guy like Rubens, that's what he's really good at. Eh, I mean, we're, we're getting there, but you feel like he always has his lines kind of super dialed. Is that right? Like I'm, I'm just a big Chris fan. And so we should talk a little bit about Chris here. I didn't one, I didn't know that. That, that you guys are like, Chris is a guy who's got pillows kind of figured out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a bit older than we are, but that, hence the experience. Living in Revy too, you definitely get really good at pillow skiing because there is alpine, but 
generally, I think less, a bit less chances, uh, usually a bit more unstable. So a lot of people stick to pillows a bit more. Yeah, I think the Revy pillows here are very solid. I feel like Chris and Hoji were the masters of pillows. Oh, yeah. Watching in the movies for sure. Definitely. Pillow masters. Pillow masters. Has that, has that name been used? Maybe that's yeah. next year's. Salmon TV had one episode, I think. Called Super was, Pillows. Super Pillows. And it was like, Cody Townsend, Pillow Master. It was, yeah, it was called Super Pillows. And it was like kind of like a video game style. That's right. Yeah. But but Pillow Masters is, Pillow Masters is still out there. Or you could have it Pillow Masters and the Godfire Kings or whatever we said the, the name. So just <laughs> we're spitballing. So, okay. Related question. We've now talked about two very different types of skiing, like the schemo, you fall, you're screwed. And then we've just talked about pillow lines. Would you rather be a very accomplished schemo person going over to pillows? Or would you rather be very good at pillows having to go over into the schemo world? Um, pillows to schema. Yeah, pillows to schema. Are the schema people screaming right now and and calling <laughs> calling BS on you? What do you think they're doing? I don't know. It's just different styles of skiing. Yeah, it's different styles of skiing. But um, you got to be able to. I feel like you got to be a pretty good. Oh, I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot if I see what do I was it. about to say. Do it. <laughs> I said I feel like you got to be a pretty good skier to be able to ski pillows well. Where. You don't have to be a great skier to ski schemo. Like I've seen people ski stuff I'd never ski. And they're good and climbers. They're not, and they're they're good climbers and good mountaineers, but they're not good skiers. But they're confident skiers, which is like confident steep skiers. But would I say they're good skiers? Not at all. You heard it here first. Stan Ray, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I find like, especially like a place like Chamonix, you see people going to places and you're like, how how do these people have confidence in their skiing? Because you're watching them like on the tram to ski down this face, but yeah. it's a different. But a thousand foot exposure at the bottom. Oh yeah, no, and a not, wrap. You're it's like, not uh-huh. my it's not my cup of tea. No, I'd like to ask each of you the question: either favorite segment in the film or favorite kind of location for whatever reason. However, the the time ended up lining up, you know, this go around. I think my favorite segment of the movie is probably the last one. Super upbeat, good skiing, and it was fun to ski. So, yeah, I'd say that one. And the camping was very fun, too. That was super cool. I didn't go camping. (laughs) Were you not invited? I wasn't really part of the last segment much, but I think my favorite segment was probably the Callahan. I just got really good. I only went up there for three days and just got really good snow. and kind of knew of a few spots that we didn't hit from the year before that I wanted to do stuff off. And yeah, I thought it was great. Got to hit, got to hit a couple more flat landings. And I, I really actually really like the song on that segment too. Which song? There was song Stan. Oh, (laughs) yes. I I was looking on the ground. I was, I was, is that what it's called? Yeah. Dust on the ground. I was looking for it and I couldn't find, I could only find the singing version. I couldn't find the instrumental. I know the instrumental is only on the, on the internet or on music bed. Yeah. Music bed. I found it on Spotify though. Not as good with the girl singing, even though she's got a very good voice. She does. 
Stan Ray <laughs> shooting himself in the foot. I think we're at number two or three now. We're gonna we're gonna keep tally. This is perfect. The music is great in this. It definitely stood out to me. And so I want to know who was the song picker. Uh, so Jeff and I, or Jeff Thomas, usually take care of all the post production. So we go like from mid June all the way to like August, mid August, doing that stuff. So, but through the winter, I'd say. And end of the winter, we started uh, picking up music. And so we had a good bank of music when we started editing. And uh, yeah, I think we ended up with a really solid soundtrack this time. We're super happy with it and got a lot of good compliments on it. So I picked four songs that were in the bank at the start of the movie, but none of them got used. (laughs) Stan, (laughs) just nope, nope, nope. Nope and nope. Yeah, okay. but you need a you need Appa- a very big sound apparently, bank. Apparently, they don't like house music. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Stan's next film will be called Two Thousand Two. Yes, <laughs> dubstep. I love though, Stan, that you were like for your your favorite segment choice was tied to like I really like the music for it because that that definitely kind of worked for me. I'm trying to remember if this is last segment or the second to last segment, but when mating ritual future now comes in yeah that's the uh, last segment yeah it's so good yeah i love that song yeah so that uh it's always the case with these things like when you, for whatever reason when that track totally resonates with you that's gonna make that segment it's gonna dial it up i don't know what percent yeah. it's a cool segment on its own and that track is just so good so yeah i've I've listened to it way more just on my spotify than i than i have in the in the movie but Whenever I watch the movie, I'm always stoked to end it on that note. I'm like, probably still getting goosebumps once in a while if I blast it in my ears. Again, I said, we've been talking a lot about names and naming stuff. I wanted to throw out a few alternative titles for this film. We should say the film is called... Follow the Forecast. Follow the Forecast. Let's, Let's start with how did you get there? Well, basically... We all follow the forecast, so it was a very easy title to work around and not be too restrained to title idea. And because following the forecast doesn't mean only mean following when it's like dumping. It can be like forecast is good to go and skew with Cody because that line is going to be good or whatever it was. So yeah, just ended up with follow the forecast and. That's how she goes. Yeah, we're we're super we're super simple people, you know. We follow the forecast. It's like it's a brand new idea we decided to start this year because we've <laughs> never followed it before. <laughs> <laughs> Is this kind of true? You just have no. picked Okay, okay. I was gonna say, I was like, wow, I'm glad you guys are alive. As skiers, that's like all you do is follow the forecast. <laughs> it's like, wow, I don't know. These these Canadians. All right, here do you want to hear a couple of my potential alternative titles because there's still time i mean this i think the film drops november 17th so one of these might be so good that if you if you're like we that's we should definitely change the title you're you're welcome to any of these one was uh adventures from chris rubens's tent (laughs) that was good (laughs) stan spit cup it's a good spit cup i threw it away so she made me throw that well, she didn't make me throw it away, but after wait, wait, her who's testimonial, she? Anna, yeah, Anna Segal talks about my spit cup in the movie, which you'll see, and she made me feel so 
she degraded me <laughs> and my spit cup. I was trying to, I, I hate using things like single use plastics and stuff. So I went and got a booster juice and it's a booster cup. And I had my delicious um, smoothie out of it. And then I used it for a spit cup for a year, probably two years in my truck, which was pretty disgusting. And uh, after I saw the movie, actually, her interview, I was like, yeah, maybe I should throw that thing away. She's probably right. <laughs> well, just to, just to put you in context, Stan, when we do road trips, you go like the huge bag of spits, usually salt and pepper or dill or whatever. That's it. There's, those are the only two kinds. Yeah, the only two he gets, actually. Yeah, nothing right. else. Nothing the gray else one matters. or the green one. And but he goes through an entire bag just instead of like having coffee or whatever, he's just going to be eating spit. So the entire time he's just got his cup here and he's driving. He's just like, yeah, my gums get pretty raw. So I usually stuff them up the left and chew them on the right. But when they get too sore, I switch it up. I stuff them on the right and then chew them on the left. It's a lot harder, though. (sighs) Versatility, though, you can you can roll both ways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I just in fairness to to Anna, I, I don't after hearing your description that you'd had that thing for maybe two years, that seems like less like of a denigration and more of like a public service announcement or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're probably right. And it might've been like a health issue too. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I I think potential health issue, another possible title, actually maybe my favorite stop talking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We don't, yeah. we, we won't even need to, we don't maybe even need to explain that one. That's actually one of my favorite moments in the film. I, th- I should be mic'd up all the time, I think, because I, I have really good jokes and none of them ever make it onto the film, which is too bad. <laughs> but I could tell you jokes all day, every day. So Stan has, well, generally speaking, in the winter, it's about 10 to 12 jokes. But imagine if you spend the entire winter with him, how many times he, whenever he meets new people, he drops all of his jokes. So if you're with him all the time, how many times do you think you hear the same jokes over and over again? But that's just Alexi. Everyone else really likes my jokes, I tell. (laughs) (laughs) Except for Alexi, because he's heard them a hundred times. Well, we now need to hear (laughs) some. So this this is actually kind of strange. So you meet someone new and you've like spent the summer and fall working up a new repertoire of 10 to 12 jokes for the season no no i stick to the 12 he has a really good memory okay give us i need to hear two or three little johnny joke are we keeping them pg all right all right you do whatever you need to do i'm just gonna tell you one and it's gonna be my favorite one so uh shakespeare and anufi they both die right and uh they're on the way to heaven they meet up and they get to heaven's gate and saint paul's waiting there for them and he's like Oh, hey, boys, what could I do you for? And Shakespeare's like, well, me and uh, the Snoofy here, we, we died. We met each other on the way up. And yeah, we're just coming into heaven. And St. Paul's, you know, is like, well, unfortunately, there's only room. We're fully booked right now. And there's only room for one of you. And Shakespeare's like, well, you're obviously going to take me because I'm the famous poet, right? And he's like, well, you know, in, in heaven, we like to make things fair. But luckily for you this week, the, we play a little competition every week. And this week, the competition is you got to write a poem. And the only word that has to be in the, the poem is Timbuktu. Shakespeare's like, that's no problem. I can do that right now. It's like, really? You don't need a, think, a second to think about it? He's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. So he's like, all right, go ahead. And Shakespeare goes, walking down the beach with beautiful sand, laid two ships not far from land. The sea was flat. The sky was blue. Destination, Timbuktu. Wow, that's an amazing joke. And you got the newfie in the corner like, holy shit. Oh, fuck. I'm screwed. I'm not going to be able to beat that. No way. 
And St. Paul's like, well, uh, new fear, you ready? He's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll try my best, but uh, no, no promises here. Okay. So uh, here she goes. So uh, walking down the street with Tim and I, we spied a couple hookers under the night sky. They were three and we were two. So I buck one and Tim buck two. I was a little nervous telling it there. <laughs> Alexi, how many times have you heard Stan tell that joke? Too many. <laughs> Between six and nine times so far. Okay. And that was his best. Yeah, I didn't deliver it the best, but I think that's my that's my favorite joke for sure. All right. But I'll give it to him. He has a, a really good memory for jokes. Okay. I have, in... I have good memory for stupid things. Yeah. Hmm. I'll go with that. Jokes and movie quotes, but that's about it. Favorite movie to quote from? You got to go Anchorman. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. Um, Either that or, or or Grandma's Boy. Have you guys seen Grandma's Boy? Yeah. Mm-mm. It's a great movie. Grandma's Boy. Yeah. yeah. Grandma's Boy. Yeah, if you've Check never it watched it, it's a classic. Yeah. It's not like a mainstream. It's not a mainstream classic, but it's a very, very good comedy. We just finished up making this massive 210 page buyer's guide. And so I'm very much like I am soliciting requests for like movies to watch and books to read. Like it, it is time. So I'm going to put Grandma's Boy on the list. Okay, so I appreciate that suggestion. The longer we've talked here, I'm really starting to think my alternative title of Stop Talking is just feeling more and more fitting. More, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like I really yeah, nailed that one. We'll just leave it one more. I thought the film could possibly just be called Colleagues. Yeah. That's There's a good also, story. There's a good, a good story one. behind that. Yeah, there is. Tell it. Dyke and Rubens were filming out in Revit, and this is a few years back, and they're bantering on the radio, and... Diet goes something like, yeah, okay, no need to banter anymore because we're friends. And then Rubens comes on the radio. He's like, no, we're not friends. We're just colleagues. <laughs> so now every time, like every single time we say anything within Rubens, we're like, oh, yeah, he's our colleague, Rubens. <laughs> and if you're lucky enough, you'll be his friend. Yeah, he called me buddy in the movie. So I, was, I got quite excited because he didn't call me colleague. Is there like if you're trying to hit that, you know, that exclusive inner circle where you kind of transcend colleague and make it into the world of buddy or friend with Rubens, do you have any tips? I think you got to talk a lot. <laughs> he likes people who talk a lot? Well, you don't let him talk and then he can't call you a uh, colleague if you don't let him talk. So it's That's about right. not letting or, him or or you talk so much that he you make it feel like you're his friend. <laughs> okay. Hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like that was that. a tip. I you know, I this sounds like a new challenge. Like try to gun, you know, try to gun for Rubens' inner circle. And I'm I'm not really sure. You just talk so much that you don't let him call you colleague doesn't really seem like no. How you actually? Get That's probably that. not going to work. Yeah, probably not going to work. Probably have the right. opposite. He probably won't even call you colleague anymore. Or you can just get into farming. He'd probably call you a friend. Oh no, he'd probably call you a colleague though. He just got into. He really got into farming this summer. Funny. He like bought a little plot of land and started farming it, and he's selling it at farmers market. It's pretty funny. Met his girlfriend Jesse. Super into it. Yeah. That's awesome. The they just bought a little farm in Revy. That's super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We should do a farm field trip. What's he growing? All the carrots, like yeah. vegetables. Yeah. I wanted to say marijuana, but he's not growing marijuana. <laughs>
Well, not yet. Stan, question for you. You refer to yourself a lot in this film as doggy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I still like pump myself up. Only when I do double backflips, which is kind of weird. Because I did it once, and I landed the you cleanest double backflip I've ever landed. So then I became kind of a routine. Every time I do it, that's how I, I get it. And I kind of keep it fun, too. It like, kind of distracts my mind for the split second from what I'm doing, which is kind of good. And I just kept doing it. I thought it was pretty funny. Come on, doggy. You got this, doggy. That's what I do every time. Every time I'm going to double backflip, I'll, go, I'll say, come on, doggy. You got this, doggy. No rhyme or reason to it. Just, uh, just a way to pump me up. So wait, it's truly only... I could go back and check the film, I guess. It's truly only for doubles? Doubles are things that I'm quite scared. Okay. Or super but usually just doubles. Okay. Yeah. I like this, yeah. though. It's a way to help try to break a little bit of tension before you go do something dumb. I wouldn't say dumb, but calculated. Okay. Calculated risk. 50% chance of landing. <laughs> oh, better than that. 69% maybe. Yeah. Do you guys actually think in terms of percentages? Because there there have been some other pro skiers that I've talked with, and they do like have the percentage calculus. Do you guys actually do that? I'm not like I'm not sure I'm ever at a line and I'm like, I've got a 63% chance of not hitting no. that tree. Definitely not. Okay. No. Sometimes I like to look at something though and be like, what are my chances if I ski this well to make it down? I do do that. And if it's like 50%, that's not a great worth. It's no, it's not great. But yeah, not often. I wouldn't say usually we, we look at something that we're very confident in doing. But pillow yeah. skiing is where I find sometimes it's like, what are my chances of making it out? Yeah, I usually go more with feel than I do with percentage. I like, if you feel it, you're like, ah, you can like picture yourself skiing down it. I think that's the best for me to say like, okay, like I'm probably going to lend this and or not. If I look at something, I'm like, no, no way I see myself skiing down this and I probably won't ski it. Okay. I actually had a question about goggle socks. Shoot. Goggle socks is, you know, one of the sponsors of this film. And I think that goggle socks are like sort of pound for pound, the greatest ski product in the history of the world. And if pound for pound, isn't quite the right way to put it like product for the price I don't know. And I just wanted to put that out there. Like our crew, we kind of, I, I don't know, it's probably been a few years since we first got introduced to these things. And we're all like, this is game changing. And it's like, wait, it's so simple. How do you, how can you actually say that? But I, I still, a couple of years later, think this is true. What would be a, a contender to the goggle sock just in terms of like most game changing product for the expense of it? Probably the invention of the wheel. <laughs> uh, no, but honestly, goggles, like, I was pretty skeptical at the beginning. Me too. And we, when it's dumping snow out and you just throw on your goggle and keep, in, like, a couple in your pocket, dry ones, and then just keep tossing a dry one on, like, whenever, like, you're putting your goggles back on or reusing or whatever. But it does keep your goggles from fogging a lot. And also when you chuck them in your backpack and stuff, it keeps them from scratching. But yeah, no, I, like Alexi said, when we do, we do a lot of like short tours that we're not taking off for helmet and goggles, like 
literally not even 10 minutes. So we just put our goggles up so they don't fog. You put that on there and it keeps no it dry snow. and no fog, which is awesome. Yeah. I find once, once that foam gets wet on the top, that's generally like when everything starts fogging up and you're hot and everything's I'm, hot. And, I'm going to say a heli ski strap is quite good. Yeah. Um, that's probably you get so many yes. uses out of them, not just strapping your skis, but bundling something up, um, have them as in your first aid kit so you can make splints out of. Fix your snowmobile. Um, fix, fix your snowmobile, fix your binding. They're quite useful for being, wow. Actually, they're kind of expensive for just being a rubber piece. They're like 15 bucks, but they're, those are definitely the next thing. That I think that's your bang, bang yeah. for your buck to have. It's a great answer. Yeah. I usually, carry, I usually like carry minimum six with me just in yeah. case things go wrong and it's easy to fix things with them. And the long ones. You need the long ones. Yeah, yeah the long ones. I feel remiss because I was thinking like, gas station donut because like i'm a, <laughs> i'm a huge huge i've never had a bad gas station donut before or after a ski tour so i was thinking about that more than like ski straps so i mm. i you're you have the right answer you were going food though because i could have gone spits i could have gone spits those are pretty useful <laughs> mm, i could have gone beer too oh yeah no that's good too mm. bang for your buck it depends, depends where you're buying it. In Whistler, it's not the greatest bang for your buck. No. <laughs> well, more expensive. $14 kokanee? No thanks. <laughs> Let's talk about movies more broadly. Who is the bigger movie buff between, you know, Stan or Alexi? Movie buff as in, uh, like, knowledgeable? Yeah. We'll go, answer can be knowledgeable. I guess, is that different from, like, you could be more knowledgeable but not love like movies, films in general. I don't know. Maybe. We're talking about ski movies nope. here ski or movies, 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 broad, all movies, broad. Oh, oh wow. I'm really ADHD and have a problem of like really sitting and unless the movie's really good, but yeah, I get distracted very easily. So I never, unless I said the movie is really good, but I'm not great at watching movies. Okay. I, I like watching movies and series. I don't watch a ton of them, but I like just hanging out after dinner and drinking a beer, watching a movie or water, whatever I want to drink. Give me like your top podium, favorite films, not ski films. Could, or we could, we'll go, we'll also allow TV series or mini series if you, if that's actually going to crack your, your top three. Ooh. I actually just watched, I've got Game of Thrones. I thought that was an amazing series. I love that series. It was amazing. I just watched a really cool documentary, and I'm not a huge documentary fan, but it was uh, David Attenborough, a, life on, a Lifetime on Planet Earth. Really cool documentary. And then I think you'd have to go comedy, and I'd, I'd go Dumb and Dumber. Ooh. Best comedy of all time. I thought for sure yeah. you were about to say Anchorman. No way, no way. Yeah, there's too many. Most quoted because they're easy quotes to pull from, but. Yeah, I think I would go Gladiator because that's my all-time favorite when I was a kid and probably still is because I've probably movie. watched it 20-something times. Uh, but I usually skip it to the battle scenes because they're so badass. And then I'd go Game of Thrones, like Stan, but then like Step Brothers, Talladega Night, Dumb and Dumber. There's too many. Too much choice these days. There's too much say, content out there. I would say Dumb and Dumber or Super Troopers. 
Ooh, that's also really good. Best comedy. Or Grandma's Boy. Grandma's Boy is great. It's very underrated, but it's an amazing movie. Okay. And it's still that's still on my list. So I I will that's my homework coming out of this conversation, Grandma's Boy. Hearing you rattle off all these different films definitely kind of it makes sense why like the tone of Follow the Forecast is <laughs> kind of let's just say it's not a long reach to sort of think that maybe there were some influences when we're talking about Dumb and Dumber and Step Brothers <laughs> and the like. The main influence, though, out of that was uh, probably Modern Family, though. Modern Family. All right. Yeah, TV show. Yeah. As everyone's kind of talking shit on each other in a composed manner. We, ch- we try and portray what we are actually like in the movie. Like, that we're, not, we're not trying to embellish anything. We, we are always trying to have fun. And I feel like that's especially in the ski industry, a lot of people like they take it too seriously and try to make it serious. And it's like, yeah, you could be serious here and there, but at the end of the day, we're, we're all just having out there to have fun. I think, I think you show that in the movie and it, it, people like not only can they, they watch you skiing, but they almost feel like they're there with you. And then I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Make it a little more personable. Yeah. So that's what we try to do. Make it fun, keep it light. And, uh, Yeah. I think I told you guys this before I think we hit the record button. I said to you, I mean, it it really, the film really, really feels like it's just you or like me going out skiing with my friends, except your friends are all exceptionally, exceptionally good at skiing. and, And you don't ever have the like, the kind of mediocre line or just the meadow skipping line in there like you would on a normal day. So it is, I I guess I would describe this movie as like a day out with your favorite people where you're laughing a lot and giving them all a lot of shit and having a really good time in the mountains. It's just dial all that up a bit, just dial all that (laughs) up a bit. And I think you've got, I think you've got this film. So it was, it was very, very fun watching and honestly, it's the first thing I've watched since we just kind of came out of this deadline dungeon of this project. And so it it was a very nice form of recovery. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Well, that's exactly what we're going for. So a very nice compliment to hear. Trying to get people stoked for winter. That's the yeah. ultimate goal. It works. So, uh, yeah, effective, effectively done. Last question, I think. Tough question. Who won the movie? I always say Dyak because he sends it the most, but... No, I'd say I'd say Dyak too. Wow, he's uh, he's not getting any younger either. He's thirty six, and he sends so hard. If you if you if I'm doing if I'm doing what I'm doing now at thirty six, which is four years from now, I don't which think I wouldn't I'd be, be surprised if you do. No, I don't think so. You, I don't think you'll be seeing me sending it that that hard at thirty six. Josh's haircut would have been another acceptable answer for who won it's either who won the movie or lost the movie probably a controversial but like probably one of that probably one yeah i gotta say jordy i was gonna say i was gonna say Dyak or jordy jordy man like i i think i've somehow i'm the remiss one here i think i am less familiar with him and his skiing i i've probably just missed it but he's really good he brings a lot of lot of wow i i agree he's definitely yeah. a, a, he's an up-and-comer that's probably why you haven't heard a ton of him but he's been in our movies last like three years Four yeah years. No, he's yeah, he's definitely a, he he rips and he's a great kid to hang out with too 
he always breaks trail for us too because he's a better sledder than us. <laughs> you got to have those people, right? You got to have the yeah people doing the and heavy lifting too. Yeah but, yeah, but Alexi doesn't break trail because he's from Quebec. He just <laughs> lets everyone do the hard work in front of him. I usually do it for fifteen minutes, and I'm tired. I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> okay 15 well minutes that's a stretch it's like hey, five minutes five, and then you're like okay yeah i'm more too like tired that, that's, no. that's all right so okay so it's probably either josh's haircut or jordy won the I film i concur okay yeah i concur okay actually there's at least one other thing that i absolutely have to ask about before i let you guys go stan's crash which has to be best crash slash worst crash Jordy's was pretty good too, though. Was solid. I wasn't there that day, but that pillow crash seemed pretty crazy too. The double ejection, like lawn dart front flip onto a jump. Yeah, but your stand looked like you impressive. got shot out of a cannon into Mars. Yeah, no, it, it happened pretty quick. I did not want to do that, obviously. <laughs> I wanted to backflip, get on the right ski, air out the left hand skiers left side and do a 360 out and i ended up landing and it was kind of firm where i landed and i literally got just fucked well you got one ski that kicked up and then really realistically got light until i was like on the takeoff of the next cliff which i didn't even want to hit i wanted to go left of that and i had no i was so far back seat and i just literally back slapped off the cliff and then flipped and did it yeah the worst part is that there's another crash a little later on and i do a 360 and i tomahawk and that was right after that crash and then i was uh bedridden for two weeks with a really sore back huh that's all it was though a really sore back really sore back so i thought i i, I thought i might have did something in my back because i was short of breath and i was like in a lot of pain or not too bad when i was there but i got in my truck drove home and i could barely get out of my truck when i got home just sitting in the truck for 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, well maybe it'll pass. And the next day I get up to go to the bathroom, super sore. And then I take one step out of my bed and I literally whole back seize, collapse to my knees. So I roll over and I'm like on the ground. I'm like, oh, whatever, this will pass in like a minute or two. And I was on the floor for half an hour with my back spasming naked and I had to pee. <laughs> but it sucked. It really sucked because I literally... It was so bad that I couldn't move. And I was there for half an hour. So then I went to the clinic and they did x-rays and stuff. And they just they just told me it was just angry back muscles. Very angry. I yeah. sort of want to ask a follow-up question, but I kind of don't want to ask the follow-up question. I slept on the floor for four days just because the bed was hurting too much to sleep in. It was too soft. I guess my it question sucked. was more about whether you just peed on the floor, but no, I didn't pee okay. on the floor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Managed to crawl <laughs> over the toilet. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I just held it in. Okay. So Stan, that crash though, it looks wild violent. It was quite violent. There's the, like the viewer's perspective of the violence of that. And then there's the person who actually experienced it. Would you say it felt more violent, as violent, or less violent than it actually looks? It was pretty violent. And I think the violent part, which you might not get it in when you watch it, I don't know. It, it was when I hit off the cliff. Not falling, not the landing on the cliff. It was when I hit on the cliff. That was the violent part. 
Yeah, because when yeah. you landed it was like fairly deep ish. Like, yeah, fairly deep ish, but I also had no control of how I landed. But yeah, no, for sure. No, it was uh, it was quite violent. I'd say it's about as violent as it looks. It ha- and it happened so quick. Like I literally landed the backflip, and then three seconds, a second later, I was already off the cliff, and I was like, "Oh no, that was <laughs> that didn't go as planned at all." Yeah. Another thing we talked about, I think, before we actually started recording was I personally feel like every ski film should end with a crash reel. Agree, disagree, or do you feel like we've already sort of gotten there? Or does this get written into the constitution of the ski movie genre? Where do you guys stand on this? I think it should definitely be a crash reel at the end. I mean, that's what we were stoked on when we were kids is like the crash segment was like, holy shit. Like yeah. you're almost stoked, but you're like afraid. <laughs> you also always get the wow factor from that. And it yeah. also shows people that we're not like machines and land everything. You know, yeah, we are taking these risks, but we do crash pretty often trying what we're trying. We're not landing everything buttery smooth. Yeah. Okay. That happens. So at least for the three of us here, we're all in favor of all ski films should end with the crash reel. Yeah. Well, hey, the film is set to drop November 17th. Yeah, November 17th on Salmon TV. And uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we'll be posting on Instagram up till then, little clips here and there. And then, uh, yeah, as I said, November 17th on Salmon TV. And uh, I think you guys are going to be pretty stoked on it. Yeah. And again, the film is called Follow the Forecast unless they change the title to Stop Talking. So look for either one of those and uh, you can find it on November 17th on Solomon TV. Awesome. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was a pleasure. Awesome, guys. Talk to you later. All right. Cheers. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Alexi and Stan for the conversation. And again, click the link in the show notes to this episode to go check out the trailer for Follow the Forecast over on Solomon TV. And again, if you'd like to come hear me interview that Cody Townsend guy live and in person, come to the Blister Speaker Series at Western Colorado University tomorrow night. That's Tuesday, October 13th at 6 p.m. You can find more information about that on the Blister website. And while it is a free event, you do need to RSVP first in order to attend because spots are limited. For some reason, people want to hear Cody talk about things. And finally, I want to say thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode and thanks to you for listening. Now, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.